Guess what? You're a Deadpool fan now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett. With me is... Horse to Cleese, Miguel Garza. Okay. Horse Tickles? <laughs> no. No damn Horse Tickles. Horse to Cleese. How many times I got to tell you this, Chimichanga? Aren't your kids calling you Horse Tickles now? Yes, thanks to my wife and you and your wife. Thank you very much. But I also got them calling you Chimichanga. That's okay. I told you I didn't have a problem with that. <laughs> we also have a special guest today, Mr. Seek Donnelly from Awesome Comics. Say hey, Seek. Hey, uh, I am actually Horse Tickles. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna have to wrestle him for that name. Oh <laughs> uh, jeez, mud wrestling? Mud wrestling? I don't know. Are you up for that? Uh, no. <laughs> let's let's split the difference. Chimichanga wrestling. I don't even know what chimichanga wrestling is. <laughs> tell you what, man. What I tell you about this show early, we're starting to get a, give off some kind of a vibe on this show. <laughs> I think it's all in your head, man. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all in my pants. Oh. Uh, thanks for having me, I should say. Yeah, oh, we're glad to have you. We're here. glad to have you, see? Definitely. Mr. Horse Tickles. <laughs> That's right, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Horse Tickles. <laughs> cool. Well, let's, uh, let's get right into things and talk some comics. That's what she yeah. said. Yeah. What were your uh, top two of the week, Miguel? Well, you know, uh, I struggled this week. And we read all those books and... Uh, those are quite a few that were really good, and some that uh, I thought they were okay. Number two, I went with Captain Marvel. Okay. Number two. <laughs> That's uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and David Lopez. Ah, brown power, baby, brown power. Brown power. <laughs> <Mr>. Lopez. <laughs> Why's everything got to be about race with you? <laughs> hey, we play a game called Racist Bastards, so you know what? What's going on here? Yeah, that's true. Well, Captain Marvel's good. Uh, you know, she's out there trying to do little rescue missions. People piss her off. She's, like, fighting back. And then she finally gets upset. She's like, Mama's going to take care of things. This just cracks me up, man. And then even the, we don't want to get too much away of it. But then the funny part is the Guardians show up. Yep. And the whole thing with Rocket and the cat was just, oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I reread it twice. It's just, oh, man. I absolutely love the way Kelly Sue DeConnick handled Rocket Raccoon in this issue. I would love to see her write a miniseries with him as the main character. I'm not a raccoon! <laughs> uh, did you read this one, Seek? I did it. I'm, I'm going to let you guys know ahead of time that out of your list that you have, I've only managed to get half of them. Uh, Seek be broke this month. That's okay. We didn't expect <laughs> you to read all of them. You don't have to keep up with us. We know we read a lot. Man, you got to reach out to Omar. Say, hey, help a brother out. I know. I should have <laughs> copy. I know, but I, I hear nothing but good things about that book. And Kelly Sue, is, and she's really great on a lot of things. But uh, but I always love the character Captain Marvel, and I like I, this new take very much intrigues me. So if I miss the single issues by the time the first trade comes out, I, I'm definitely going to buy the first trade and, and catch up. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's It's been really good so far, but we're only in a couple issues in. Yeah, I know. Uh, the reason I started looking at this is my actual, my cousin, one guy who follows us, he's out in Oklahoma, and uh, we're talking... We're talking about comic books being delivered. I uh, won't go off on a quick tangent here, but his books don't get to him until, like, Friday. And that's at the store or something's going on there. I don't know why that happens. I feel so bad for him. Like, wow. <laughs> so I'm, like, so far ahead. But he knew about this comic before it came out. He threw something at us uh, on Twitter one time. I was like, you know what? I don't know. We'll look it up. And we did. We got back to him, and we've been reading it. And I enjoyed the book. And I thought it was really good. The Guardian stuff, the rocket thing with the whole cat thing was hilarious. <laughs> It really, um, it really was. <laughs> and I can't wait to see the next issue. So that was my number two. Okay, so what was your number one? <laughs> really? You got to ask me that. Uh, number one was Deadpool, number 27. Can't disagree at all. <laughs> the greatest, most important issue ever in Marvel history. <laughs> Slapping Batman like that, that's horrible. But uh, <laughs> the book was great. Love the stories about him being married before. The bachelor party thing. The little stuff from previous comics. Uh, little innuendos here and there. The, the Beatles thing, I'll say that. The Beatles thing, walking across the street. The book was great. It's funny. Like I told you before, and I've been saying this now, for long for 27 issues now this run of Deadpool has been excellent just excellent and it has been so great to read that's why it's number one and I don't know what else to say about it (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree with you I mean as a hardcore Deadpool fan I thought 27 was such a love letter to the fans there's a lot of different stories in there written by artists and, and writers from Deadpool's past and it's not only that they're you know adding their their viewpoint on Deadpool but they're also doing it in the voice 
of the character from the time they wrote it. So you're not just reading about Deadpool and Siren. You're kind of reading about Deadpool and Siren back in Deadpool 16 or whatever it was from the first mm-hmm. volume. And it still has that same kind of feel with Joe Kelly writing it or you know, whoever. I mean, there's stories from Merc with a Mouth. There's stories from the first volume of Deadpool. There's stories from the second volume of Deadpool. And it all just ties together so beautifully. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I loved it, honestly. So those were my uh, two and number one. And what were yours? Well, for me... Uh, my number two is Secret Avengers number two by Alish Cott and Michael Walsh. I feel like Alish Cott is probably one of the best spy story writers out there right now. I mean, there's other ones that are great, too, like mm-hmm. a Brubaker and whatnot. But Alish Cott wrote Zero, and I absolutely love that book. Yes. Uh, he's taking on Secret Avengers, and it doesn't have a feel like normal Avengers book. It's really a spy story that just has the Avengers characters in it. You just love it because Phil Coulson. And, 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 uh, it's got Coulson. Furry, it's, it's got Fury. Fury. Uh, they're Furry. stranded in space, and they need help. And uh, two unlikely Avengers and Hawkeye, who's not even supposed to be there, <laughs> get dragged into saving them. You know, they have their own little mini-adventure in the story, too. But it's just it's really well-written, really well-drawn. Just can't get past MODOK, man. <laughs> MODOK's in there it still. freaks me out. Uh, he got recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end of the last Secret Avengers series, and he manages to save Maria Hill from somebody trying to kill her by uh, sending a rat in there. <laughs> that was awesome, by the way, the rat with the, the, the needle on its back. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. There, there's a lot of things I really liked about that book. And as for me, my number one was still Deadpool number 27. Like, Just can't say enough good things about it. Cup kit. <laughs> Pick your own number one. Hey, I'm the Deadpool guy. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Well, what about you, Seek? Of the books you did read, what would you say your top two were? I'll say that for Deadpool, anyway, I'm not actually a Deadpool fan at all, <laughs> really. <laughs> but, I, but I read this issue because I was intrigued. I don't know, at first I read it because I was like, no, oh, why does he get to get married, but Peter Parker's marriage had to be taken away? You know, like I, got, I was like a bitter fan. And then uh, and I read this for what it is, which is just a fun, great comedic book. And Jerry Dugan and Brian Cassand are doing an amazing job on it. So yes. this was, I think, only the second or third issue I read of this run. But like the first two that I read, I also loved. So I think what's going to happen is I'm just going to have to buy all the trades in this book uh, because uh, because this kind of turned me around and and also gave a nod to the one Deadpool book that I did read ever, which was Cable and Deadpool by Fabian Nitzieza. Right. And they did a little story in here from that era. So I thought that was really cool. So um, I wouldn't say it's in my top two, but I just want to comment that like as a non-Deadpool fan, I thought that was worth every penny. Like that, that book made me laugh out loud by myself in my own home. So <laughs> that's really good. Um, Guess what? You're a Deadpool fan now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out of the ones I read, I would say Secret Avengers, but uh, but since you already talked about that, I'll say my number two is Iron Fist. Uh, so number- good. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. Like I like uh, I like Andrews' stuff. I, I like that, uh, that he, he's writing and drawing it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even realize that when I told Miguel about it. Uh, yeah. Car Andrews, he did both. He did the, the story and the artwork. Wow. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And, there, and there's that scene where he like jumps out the window and you're like, what is he, crazy? And then you find out that he's being pursued by people. So he like karate chops a helicopter in half. <laughs> <laughs> that was freaking awesome. <laughs> and then meanwhile, you're getting all these flashbacks to like his his father and his mother and like them climbing a uh, you know mountain and stuff and, and looking for the, the the forbidden city. So it's like I thought it was really cool. I, I can't wait to read more. I thought it was definitely my number two pick. And the only reason it was my number two and not my number one is because I'm actually a big Ghost Rider fan and I'm really loving this new Ghost Rider. So all new Ghost Rider number two was my number one pick of the week. That was actually one of the few books we did not pick up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, it's not on their list. What the heck, man? We were, it's in a car. <laughs> it's, it's not only about the car. Like, I appreciate Trad Moore's art. It's very yeah. different than everybody else's. It's kind of a cross between manga and traditional Western-style comic art. Sure. But the story just didn't really do it for me. I mean, it, it didn't really thoroughly explain anything. It just he, he got shot, and then he just became Ghost Rider, and there was no substance what? there in the first issue, I thought. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is like, I see, I thought there was substance because only in the sense that not for him being Ghost Rider, I'll agree there was no substance there. The substance to me was they took the time to make you at least understand this kid's POV, whether you like him or not, or whether you thought the story was handled in a cheesy way or not, like with him, like, you know, protecting his brother and his brother's like, uh, you know, in a wheelchair and all that. It's definitely a forced attempt to pull at any heartstrings and a forced attempt to add heart to the story. But at the same time... Yeah, I felt like it was a little bit cliched. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, but, you know, it's comics. Like, every comic is cliched. I mean, Secret Avengers, as good as it is, is cliched. You could, you, could, you know, you could predict that story a mile away as well. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but for Ghost Rider, like, I like the intrigue. I like the fact that I have no idea right now if he's supernaturally created or if there's something else going on. 
like I'm assuming it's supernatural because he's still bursting into flames and, and the car exploded and seems to be back in one piece. So I'm going to assume it's supernatural to an extent, but uh, it's unclear. And I kind of dug that because every Ghost Rider story I've ever loved, like in the 90s, was Dan Ketch. And that first issue is like a jumbo size issue. And they explain everything in that first issue. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But what makes me want to keep reading if I know everything about this character in one issue? You know, and then same with uh, Ghost Rider 2099, which is another take on Ghost Rider that I liked, uh, which was they explain every single thing in the first issue. And you're just kind of like, all right, I want I want something dangled in front of me to keep reading. That's what I liked about this one was that they went a different approach. And I actually like muscle cars. I'm a big fan of Supernatural and they drive an Impala. And that yes, one. love that uh, show. Yeah, so I, I kind of was like, all right, it's a different take. I'm going to try it. Like, I don't know if it's going to work, and I think I'm in the minority of people who do like it, but I oh, like actually, it. Actually, I, I don't think so. Way. The majority uh-huh. of the other comic book podcasts that I've listened to loved the first issue. I think we were the only ones that I've listened to that did not really enjoy it. It just, it just didn't gel with us for some reason. Uh, and that happens. And like I said, I'm not a Deadpool guy, so it's like, you know, it's like it's just different opinions. But if you're into a slightly lazy storytelling with pretty neat art, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no. uh, it, I, I, I thought it had some substance, and issue two definitely answers a couple things, but it still leaves the mystery of what he exactly he is, and and, uh, and I'm hoping that they're building that on purpose, because I hope it pays off. I think I'll swing by tomorrow, then, and try to pick up a copy. Okay, so we'll, we we'll give it another chance on, on your recommendation, see. Uh, if, if, if number two sucks, I will buy Deadpool monthly from now on. <laughs> Okay, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> so, since you like Ghost Rider, do you like him in Thunderbolts? See, here's the thing: is I don't like Johnny Blaze. <laughs> oh, like, uh, but I do like the version of him that Charles Soule is writing for for him in Thunderbolts. Uh, so, I have liked him, and I like the art in Thunderbolts uh, since Charles Soule has taken over. Well, I just like Charles Soule. It feels like that guy can do no wrong. <laughs> he's really good, man. He came out of the gate, and he and now he's writing like two, three books for each company. Like, he's just awesome. I think he's writing um, nine books total a month. Isn't it? Holy cow. And, yeah, and I, in my opinion, none of them are suffering. No. <laughs> uh, you know, so he's really good. He knows what he's doing. So, no, I like I like that Johnny Blaze in Thunderbolts. But uh, And I even like the female Ghost Rider, even though that was very short-lived. I thought that was pretty cool, too. So I'm always open to an interpretation of Ghost Rider, as long as it's not someone who makes a deal with the devil. Like, I think that's the dumbest origin ever. Has, has no one seen a movie or read a book? Like, <laughs> do they not know how that deal, like, works out? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, so enough about Ghost Rider. No, that's cool. Well, my uh, pick of the week is a new book. It's the same one I have as my pick of the week. And we like Intrigue as well, which is why this is our pick of the week. It's a new book called Shudder. It's written by Joe Keating and Leela Del Luca. I hope I'm saying that right. And drawn by Owen Gianni. Uh, it's an image title. And it's the story of this girl who grows up going on all these crazy adventures with, this, with her father. Yes. And he teaches her about adventures, but he always encourages her to be her own person. Like, she doesn't have to grow up to be him. She can grow up to be whatever she wants to be. And as she gets older, she decides she doesn't want to be an adventurer. What she wants to do is be a writer and a storyteller. So she takes pictures for a living, and she also writes on the side. She writes about the adventures she had when she was a child. And they showcase this in some interesting ways, like kids come up to her and ask her for autographs and stuff. But she hasn't released a book in a long time because... She hasn't met any adventures in a long time. Well, in the story, she goes to visit her dead father's grave. Yeah. And gets attacked by... Purple ninjas or something. Purple space alien <laughs> ninjas. And they don't really explain anything about what that's at, what that is, but they have a twist at the end, which is very, very intriguing. And uh, it's just a fantastic book. Uh, Image doesn't really put out a whole lot of bad books. So I-, I highly recommend people go out and check this one out. Yeah, I enjoyed the book. It's pretty cool. I can't wait to see what happens next. It's different. How do we say it earlier? It feels like Johnny Quest type stuff here. Yeah, it feels like a Johnny Quest story with a little more, a uh, little bit of a twist on it. Mm-hmm. Shutter number one. Did you read that one, see? I didn't, but uh, now I got to because Owen, uh, he worked with a friend of mine, uh, Mark Poulton, on a book where they were, when they brought back Evangeline, and, uh, and his art is amazing. So mm-hmm. I got to check this book out. Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful book. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, adding to my list. <laughs> cool. Well, next I think we should talk about you, Seek. No. <laughs> what, all the, the dirty I stuff. can't follow any of the books we just talked about. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. We just saw some artwork from Monomyth, and it is very impressive. Oh, yes, it is. Well, all thanks goes to uh, Eric Minatowski, who is my artist on that book, and he is just crushing it. Like we, we Omar and I met that guy at Com- Stanley's Kamikaze last year. And this was right before I was, like, back in the hospital to get more coils done. And we kind of needed an artist before that happened uh, so that we so that the book could get started while I was, re- you know, resting and recuperating. And uh, and luckily we, we found Eric, and Eric was, like, we. I looked at his art. What, what sold me was his drawing of Hawkgirl. He had this full two-page spread kind of Justice League battle page that he created. 
and Hawkgirl was like in the center, flying down from the sky, slinging her mace like into the side of Darkseid's head or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this guy, he can draw angels. Like, I, he's got to do this book. We, we've talked about it before. When we had uh, Omar on the show back in episode four, we talked a little bit about Monomyth, but he didn't give all the details. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what Monomyth is going to be about, and then we'll go into the more complicated to explain book. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, in short, my two-second pitch for Monomyth is uh, that it's Gilgamesh meets Final Fantasy. And uh, and it's just basically thinking of the oldest story in the book, which is obviously Gilgamesh, and the biggest stories uh, I've ever been privy to, in my opinion, have been a lot of the Final Fantasy games. And so I just like, I want to mash that up. I want, I want to take something biblical and mix it with something kind of scientific. I don't know, like I... I I haven't figured out the full pitch on it yet, <laughs> but I, I grew up a big What If fan from Marvel. When I was a kid, I I could barely scrounge a dollar or two together to buy a comic book, and so what I normally bought was What If because uh, the stories were standalone each issue for right. for the longest time, and uh, of course they don't do that now. They make big dumb miniseries out of them, <laughs> but so so I was obsessed with, oh, this alternate universe version of Spider-Man where Gwen Stacy lived and, and uh, oh, Brother Voodoo is actually, you know, Doctor Strange in this world and stuff like that. And I, and I it also introduced me to a lot of more obscure characters like Brother Voodoo, who I became a fan of. So I wanted to, I thought, what would be the ultimate what-if story? And I, and so if you go back to the first decision, if you're, if you're thinking in a biblical sense, the first decision that was ever made was Adam and Eve eating the apple. And then I thought, well, no, that couldn't have been the first decision because uh, Lucifer had to decide to disobey God. Right. And so technically Lucifer made the first decision. And and so I like that premise. And I thought, well, what if Lucifer made the opposite decision? What if Lucifer hit that crossroads and decided to side with God instead? What would the reaction be? And then the reaction is, is that Michael instead saw where Lucifer was going to go and thought, we should like screw humans. God turned his back on us. We should definitely, that should be our mentality. And Lucifer's like, no, 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 it's wrong. We shouldn't do it. So basically, it's an alternative of their battle. So instead of Lucifer being cast out of heaven, uh, Michael is instead. Uh, but before he goes, because he's more strategic and honestly a better fighter than Lucifer, he has a plan. He knows he's going to get captured, so he planned for that. And he steals uh, this person from heaven, who I don't want to spoil too much, but you'll you'll know about it, um, I think, in, in issue two, at the beginning, first few pages of issue two. But there's someone important to God in heaven that helps God create everything, and uh, which I'm sure is going to give me a lot of hate mail <laughs> from <laughs> religious people. And the fact that I'm making Lucifer a African American woman as well, um, I'm sure I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Um, we're, we're very tolerant on this show. So. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's the thing is, I, I to me, my interpretation of Lucifer is is the most beautiful angel, and in my existence on this planet i have yet and she knows that i I say this to her all the time my neighbor who does voice acting she does like stuff for like diablo 3 and she plays cheetah and a lot of justice league stuff like she's really really cool and very very awesome chick but i mean she's the most beautiful person i've ever seen and i thought well if lucifer is the most beautiful angel then it would have to be based off of you and uh and then she was like thanks (laughs) (laughs) you're the (laughs) dumb also gave me what I wanted in the story, which was like a really awesome female lead to stand up against Michael, and I thought that was really cool. And so what happens is Michael falls, Lucifer tells Adam and Eve not to eat the apple, and then humans never know sin. And so because of this, they grow in peace, and they and they never know disagreements and frustrations and all that stuff. And then Enoch is born, and Enoch is the first person to be born against the grain. He's naturally angsty. He's a lot like what we all were as teenagers. Like We didn't like authority, didn't like being told what he can and can't do. And he's the first person to ever come across and think like this. And then he's also, in the book, the first person to ever throw a punch and hit somebody and strike blood. And so at, at first you're kind of like, you don't like the kid because he's disrupting the, the normal way of life. And then you find out, like all things, there's a purpose to him. So when Michael comes to wipe out Eden, uh, he thinks it's going to be an easy battle. And sure as anything, he has to face up against Enoch, who is a natural-born warrior, uh, even surprising to himself. And it is definitely a bloody series of battles. Monomyth means the hero's journey. And Enoch is my hero in the story, and you see him evolve and grow, and you see everything he does has a purpose. Everything he either is against or for uh, has a meaning to it, and uh, and it's just kind of my outlook on life in general as someone who is uh, has been described as closer to the uh, the spectrum as others. I think everything has a purpose, whether you like it or not, and that's what I wanted to convey in this story. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're you're much better at describing and explaining it than you claim to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the problem 
for me is I have to get it into like 20 words or less. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that could be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna be hard. I think after it comes out and I I read it a few times with and see the artwork with it, I think it'll get easier. But for right now, I'm uh, I'm just a rambling mess with it. You can just say it's about my hot neighbor who's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you said earlier you got what you wanted, I, I was going to say, what, phone number? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got my, my Lucifer. Because I, I asked her, like, as an actress, I'm like, hey, is it okay if I use your likeness, obviously? And she was like, no, I'm very flattered. I'm like, all right, good. And the, the person I design, uh, that we designed Michael after is uh, Manu Bennett, who plays Deathstroke on Arrow. Oh, oh my god, love Manu Bennett. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's amazing. And the funny thing is, because he obviously was in Spartacus, mm-hmm. and my neighbor almost got that role of the girl that he you know, is in love with. Oh, wow. Uh, so when she told me that, I go, oh, how perfect. I go, because in this, like, one day, I'll, I'll, like, hopefully this will be a movie and you and Manu Bennett could, like, be in it and fight each other. Because she's, like, skilled with a bow and arrow and she's taking a bunch of martial arts courses. So I'm like, yeah, this that would be an awesome fight. That would be awesome. Yeah, you sure. mentioned one of uh, uh, Timmy Tonga's man crushes over there. <laughs> when you broke out Deathstroke. <laughs> Spart- Spartacus was, was a very enjoyable series for me and Manu Bennett played Crixus. Yeah. He was the best character in the show, in my opinion. And then he became Deathstroke, which is just such a... <laughs> I know. A perfect casting choice. <laughs> no kidding. Like, when they said, they're like, oh, the guy who played Crixus is going to be Deathstroke. And he's playing Slade Wilson. I go, that's the most, that's the best casting I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, I felt the exact same way. Like, that guy needs to be in a lot more things because he is so talented. Well, he, no, to me, he can play Deathstroke forever. Like, uh, <laughs> like I don't want to see anything bad happen to Deathstroke this season. No, me neither. Yeah. We totally love that show. Yeah, Arrow's great. <laughs> oh, my God, Arrow's such a good show. Cool, so that pretty much sums up Monomyth. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I will say real quick, we tried different things at Awesome Comics, and uh, one of the things, Omar, like, one of our standards is that we have, like, 18 to 20-page comics, you know, like, as far as, like, story and artwork. Coming on as an editor, like, I am trying to, if we can afford it to get away from that, give a couple extra pages, uh, if possible. The one thing we're trying with Monomyth is, uh, since it's my book, I was able to talk Omar into doing this, which I'm very grateful that he wanted to shell out the extra money to let me do this. There are fewer ads in this book and a lot more stories. So you actually get 30 pages of story and art in each issue for $3.99. Um, and yeah. so you get, and, and in, in every page, like as you see in the artwork, it's like, it's very dense. Like it, and the reading is like, there's, there's a lot going on and it's, it's, I feel, or I hope anyway, that it's something you can read two or three times. When's it coming out? Uh, it comes out July 23rd, uh, right, uh, the week after Comic-Con, and if you're visiting Comic-Con in San Diego, we are going to have uh, early copies there as well. That's the dream. Unfortunately, <laughs> we, won't, we won't be there, but I wish we could. <laughs> well, I don't. Uh, to be honest with you, as of right now, today, I don't know if I'll have a booth there. I had one last year, but unfortunately, it's never promised to you, so I, as of right now, I have no table either. <laughs> so I may not be there either. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to our small con we got in Houston. Comic Palooza. Yes. It's growing I, every I year. To, I want to come to that because I, I heard it's a getting bigger each year. Oh, it is. It is. It's, uh, they've, they've lined up a lot of really cool guests this year. Uh, that's going to be May 23rd through 26th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing a live show there. We're going to be interviewing all kinds of people. So pretty excited about it. They're actually letting us in the building. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Of course they're going to let you guys in the building. A lot of people from S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to be there too. Oh, yeah. They've got the, pretty much the whole cast except for uh, Sky is going to be there. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your Kickstarter, uh, Ellen Vital. I hope is that is that how you say it? Uh, Elan, Elan Vital, yeah. Elan Vital. Okay. Um, well, actually, I feel like just because I'm representing Awesome Comics too, and since he mentioned my book last time, I just want to say like Daniel came out this week uh, from Awesome Comics, uh, number one, written by Omar Spahi and, and drawn by Terry Huddleston. And I definitely encourage anyone out there who likes weird supernaturally stories like Ghost Rider stuff. Um, and I think that's why maybe that's why I'm defending it a little bit too, Ghost Rider, because Daniel kind of has that. Like, Daniel doesn't give you a lot of answers in the first issue. Normally, I would kind of be against this from a writing standpoint uh, and an editing standpoint, but I trusted Omar's ability to tell a story. And luckily, issue two, which comes out on April 23rd, definitely fleshes out those answers that you're looking for. So maybe that's probably why I give Ghost Rider a, a pass, is because. We're currently in that same boat with Daniel, but if you if you want something that looks visually different than a lot of comic books that are on the shelves right now, and 
and tells like a, a very different kind of story. Uh, Flea, you're, you know, you'll give Thaniel a shot. Yeah, we've been we've been hyping up Thaniel for a while. Uh, yeah, which I appreciate. I know I've been retweeting you guys. Like, every time I see comical podcasts, I'm like, man, I gotta like hug those guys. Like, <laughs> I gotta send them like myself in a package and then just jump out and hug you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Actually, for yeah, some for some reason, we got our copies of Thaniel at our shop a week early. They came out on the shelves last week here. I noticed that, and actually, a couple other stores. There's a couple stores in Florida that had the same issue, and then there's a few stores in Florida that are not getting theirs till next week for some reason. So we did, um, we did ours. I mean, Thaniel was our pick of the week last week, and we we yeah. did a big push for it. I was surprised. I was surprised to see that it, the actual release date was supposed to be today <laughs> or Wednesday. Yeah, you guys lived in one of those select cities where you got a you got the sneak peek or whatever. Yeah, but Daniel, please uh, trust these guys. If it's their pick of the week, one, thank you. I uh, uh, I owe you guys beers when I come out there, um, and uh, yeah, and pick up Daniel by Omar. So it was a lot of fun to work on and, and edit and stuff. And, and we're about to wrap issue four. So and and I'll be sending review copies of uh, issues two and three to you guys if I haven't done so already. No, you haven't yet. No. We'd love okay, to read well, them. As soon as we're done with this interview, I'll do that. Awesome, because we totally love one. Oh, I was all over it. <laughs> oh, sweet. Oh, two and three get crazier, because unfortunately, I added some of my own ideas to it, so Omar's like, Jesus, you think weird, and I go, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we like um, weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm like, your face is weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Elan uh, Vital. Elan Vital is... is it's pretty much like the most personal story that I, I, I think I've ever told. Like a soul star was my first Kickstarter that we did at the end of 2012 and into 2013. And I learned a lot from it. I screwed a lot of things up on soul star as far as like getting certain things made, pr- printing enough stuff, selling enough stuff. Um, you know, I was supposed to raise money for the aneurysm foundation, which I did raise some, but it's not as much as I wanted to. So I felt like I kind of failed in a lot of ways, uh, even though people who bought it and read it thought it was really cool. And what made that book so unique was that I, I gathered over 70 artists from around the world to come together and help me draw that book because, I, I, I mean, I guess I can't really talk about this without mentioning briefly at least my, my health situation. Uh, in 2010, I had a, a aneurysm rupture in my head. And, uh, and what that did was it completely shut me down and I even flatlined for a short time. And, uh, and I went through a lot of procedures and physical therapy and a lot of things to like get back on my feet physically and I learned to walk and talk again. Uh, but one of the things that was taken from me to, to on a large scale was my visual memory because uh, my temporal lobe suffered a lot of damage. And so uh, so what that means is it affects my short-term memory a lot of times. probably means I'm going to have Alzheimer's uh, you know, sooner than I normally would. And, uh, and also it, it means that when I try to do something or use visual references, I have to do it in the moment. So like when I draw, I have to be 100% in the moment. If I want to draw an apple, I have to look at a picture of an apple to even know what an apple looks like. Uh, if I want to draw a picture of a person and do a portrait, I have to stare at them. And luckily, a lot of artists do this, so it doesn't seem as weird in the moment. Uh, but uh, but it is a very hard process for me to create art to the point where I've pushed myself so hard to draw and create things before that I've actually had nosebleeds and seizures oh, wow. uh, because of it. So I couldn't draw Soul Star, the graphic novel, by myself. So I wrote it uh, the best of my ability, and, uh, and then all these really amazing people came together from all over the world and I used the internet and I went to cons I went down Artist Alley uh, you know, and, and went to DeviantArt and just asked people if they would be a part of it and we got a lot of people together and made that book happen and it was really cool and it's, it's definitely a piece of my heart that, uh, that I hope outlives me and I hope it, you know, like it goes on and on and people know what it, you know, what it is 10 years from now. But this one I wanted it to not so much up the ante because I definitely shouldn't do that ever uh, but but with Elon Vital, it's a, it's a story where I'm doing all the artwork for the first time. But because I knew I couldn't draw everything because of what that would do to me, I thought, what if I tried different art styles? And then I, so the storyline I came up with is Elon Vital is actually based on a real philosophy. Uh, a French philosopher in 1907 uh, named Henri Bergson, he had this theory that you could take the human consciousness and you could imprint it on an inanimate object. And then you could bring that object to life through electricity. And I thought, wow, that's pretty radical thinking for 1907. Um, but how does that apply to today? And I've deeply infatuated with robots. I, I, uh, I, I follow, you know, like Intel has this, uh, this uh, kind of futurist guy that works for them. And he develops a lot of stuff with robots. I watch a lot of Japanese stuff that is influenced by robots and see a lot of like their videos online about 
the developments they're making in robotics. Same with the U.S. You know, like we're making a lot of advancements, and France is also making a lot of advancements in robotics. So I, I, I thought, wow, this is a really this is happening. Like this is right underneath our noses. Like five, ten years from now, everyone's not going to be talking about the new phone they have or the new this or that. They're going to talk about the robot they have and what apps that they've uploaded to the robot. Miguel just you know, wants to know if he can hump it. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up, man. This ain't Alex and Ada. <laughs> There's an app for that. <laughs> oh, it's on now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you can get a merman robot. Oh, yeah. So I thought, how cool would it be to, to tackle that as a subject? So normally in a, in a comic book, like, and this is, so it's a comic book, but it's also an art book as well. So it starts off, and it's Alain Vital, the robot, and he is told by the scientists that created him that he has just been given a soul, that now he has a soul. And he's like, oh, no, I'm a robot. Like, I, I follow orders, and I have data and information. So the scientist is like, all right, to prove it, we're, we have a series of tests. We, we have all these, like, art supplies out. So every day we want you to do a different style of art, you know, from, like, spray, like street art, uh, you know, graffiti, to, uh, to photography, to choreographing a dance, you know, to filming a documentary, creating a song and singing it, um, painting different styles of paintings, uh, surrealism, uh, purism, all these things that are, that are of the art world, uh, baking, cooking, everything I could think of, all in one book. And so every day, the robot, uh, me as the robot, is creating these pieces. And then, uh, and then we're compiling them into this, like, really neat hardcover, uh, graphic novel slash art book. So every page will have art on it, but there will also be word balloons. Uh, coming from the sides of the pages to help tell the story. And then also in the bottom right-hand corner of every other page, it's a flip book. Uh, so I choreographed dance through stick figure to, as a nod to dance and old-school animation. So every page of the book, you can you can hold it in your hand and flip it, and you can actually see the stick figure dance and stuff. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, so, so then, and then there's like a, like a, and it's multimedia, so there's a, a page where you can, listen, you know, like where you can scan your phone and you can listen to a song while, while you're reading the book. And then there's, you know, that I wrote and performed and everything. And then, uh, and then you could watch a documentary on, which is called Meta, which is, uh, as Deadpool fans, you'll probably love this. Uh, so the robot, Elon Vital, is making a documentary about me creating Elon Vital. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so that's like a 20 minute documentary that you could see, you know, as part of the book. So it's not just a book, it's, it's other things. And then there's like cooking and there'll be ingredients so that you can make that object yourself. Uh, I'm a big fan of burgers, so I'm trying to make like an awesome burger that everyone can uh, take part in in making, but also make something vegetarian so that for my vegetarian friends out there, uh, they can have something they can make as well. So there's, it, it wears a lot of hats, but it tells a story about a robot learning his place in the world, being the first robot for, that gets a soul. I figure that that is a really monumental point. Uh, probably the next biggest monumental point in our history is even if we, if we don't give a robot an actual soul, if it get, if we give it a motion and, and it, it is able to develop one, I think that's going to stop the world in a lot of ways. Uh, so there's an anti-religious group in the book that is hounding the robot outside the lab. Uh, and then the robot gets time to go outside and travel to different cities and explore the world and, and to be inspired to make art pieces. So, uh, so he encounters this religious group that is uh, against his very existence and what's that like. And, and it's really a story about identity. Like, you know, I grew up a nerd, and when I was a nerd, I got beat up for being a nerd. And that doesn't seem to happen that much these days. People still get beat up and bullied for sure. But it, it seems to not be for something as trivial as being a nerd, because everyone's kind of a nerd now. But, the, you know, I have friends that are, like, transgender or who are, like, male but identify as female. Or, you know, I, I have a lot of people that are, or, or who are gay and haven't come out yet. And it's like, you know, I live in a very liberal city, you know, like uh, Los Angeles. So I, these are the, the friends that I make out here is uh, everyone is struggling to be themselves. And, it, and it, it sounds like a really frustrating thing to not know who you are. And so I wanted to portray that in this book. And so that's what this book is, is it's about someone who's trying to find out who they are and then also try to find out what kind of artist they are. That's what I'm doing at the same time. So me and my character are going on the same journey together. And uh, and so, like I said, it's, it's the most personal thing I've ever done. And I honestly thought no one was going to like it. I thought everyone's going to think it's too weird of an idea and that it's, it's too dumb. And, and who wants to see me like fold balloon animals and take pictures of it and call it art you know like i just think i at the end i just thought it was going to be a dumb thing people were going to laugh at me and and to my surprise we got funded in 40 hours uh, on kickstarter i was trying to raise five thousand dollars and less than two days later yeah it's, we, it's it sounds like a really cool experience i mean it's not just a book it's a full-on experience 
that, that and that's what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted like my my favorite. You guys mentioned earlier before we recorded, uh, Miguel did that James Obar was going to be at this convention coming up. You guys are going to. James Obar has written the most personal comic book I've ever read, which is The Crow. Uh, the Crow has completely changed my life. If you have not read that book or not seen that movie, like please do yourself a favor and do it because not a lot of people don't know that James Obar created The Crow out of tragedy. Uh, his his girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, James. The way he says it is that you know he is a guy who feels ugly. He, he feels like he can't ever be loved. He grew up bouncing foster home to foster home. No parents wanted him. You know, nobody, even foster homes didn't want to keep him. And then by the time he got too old to live in a foster home, like 16, 17, they just kind of tossed him out into the street. And uh, and he's had like a really hard life. And then he meets this girl who loved him and he couldn't figure out why. And he loved her back. And of all the things in the universe to happen, uh, he didn't have a car and he begged her to come over because he wanted to see her. And she's like, all right, I'll drive over and see you. And on her way to his house, she gets hit by a drunk driver. And then this guy just feels destroyed. And so his outlet for that is art. You know, he was drawing war manuals for, you know, in Germany and stuff uh, for soldiers. And so he said, uh, no, I want to I wanna deal with this pain and loss in a, in a very personal way. And so he created The Crow. And The Crow is beyond the, a revenge story about about two lovers being torn apart, which is something he went through. It's it's actually like every page is, is literally James Obar chopping off a limb and smearing the blood onto a page because it's it has poetry in it that he wrote about the girl he loved. It has quotes from his favorite songs, you know, and his favorite bands. It has uh, like, you know, the, these little snippets, it's like it's telling a story and then all of a sudden there's like three pages of just random art and sketches and it's just like the most unique comic book experience I ever thought of. And I said, so what would a modern day crow book be? Like, well, let me take my tragedy and put it in a book. We live in a digital age now, so why don't we add the digital stuff to it? Why don't we add movies and music, like do all the things that James Obar couldn't do? And so like if we, for example, our stretch goal, we're at, we're almost at our first stretch goal at $7,500. If we hit $10,000, the cool thing about this is instead of everybody getting a, a like a boring PDF of the book when you donate, you're actually going to get this crazy digital copy where it has a, a video intro at the beginning of it. Then you can manipulate the panels on the page however you want to. You can tap on a page and hear voice acting. You can, uh, the song, instead of going to a separate link, you can actually hear the song while you're reading the digital copy. You know, uh, the movie will play right there on the page, the documentary, when you get to that page. You can move words around. I mean, it's like, it's the most, it's the way Elan Vital is meant to be born. And I think it's the way to redo The Crow as a digital comic, too. Like, I, to actually have, like, songs by Iggy Pop and The Cure in the in the actual digital comic would just be, I mean, I'm sure it would cost a lot, but I think it would be amazing, and, and I think it's how that book should be made. So that's kind of what Elan Vital is. It's like, it's just me chopping off the remaining parts of my brain and putting them on the paper, uh, to, you know, to, to hopefully be remembered by people uh, long after I'm gone. And, and, and that's kind of the, the purpose of it, is to, to tell the most personal thing I could and use every form of media that is at my disposal to tell this story. Because there's even podcasts, for example. What you guys do, I think, is a beautiful art because it's bringing radio back. And Thanks, nobody, man. <laughs> but, but it is. But you're connecting people. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're being the glue that helps other nerds find fellow nerds that like what they like or don't like what they like, but they can talk about. Like, you know, it's bringing, like I said, it's bringing radio back. And radio was a very important step in art forms and, and in storytelling uh, when I was a kid, especially even before then. Like, I used to listen to the the old, um, the shadow, you know, radio shows and the Superman radio shows. And so it's just really cool that that's coming back in this new way. So to end the book, the last page of the book, if you're reading the digital copy, you can just listen to it. But if you uh, if you don't, you have your phone on the on the printed copy. You scan it, and it brings you to a podcast where I interview Elon the robot after the events of the book, so you can get more story. So it's just, you know, and using the art form of podcast to do it. So it's it really is trying to incorporate everything and and and, and give you like an experience as opposed to just a book to sit on your shelf. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it does. I, I yeah, I can't wait for it. Now we'll do Thanks, you know, we'll do our part. Yeah, I'll, I'll post the link to the Kickstarter on our website, and uh, I'll tweet it out whenever you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. I mean, that, that means a lot. Like, I know someone the other day was like, hey, you reached your goal. That's really cool. And I go, yeah. And the weird thing is, like, these stretch goals, obviously, they're going to cost some extra money. But I've never – I mean, I, I've been poor for I don't know how long. Like, it's hard for me, someone like me, to find a job because who wants to hire a guy – that forgets what he just did, you know, like, uh, uh, and, uh, or, or doesn't remember he did certain things. Like, I save every email because I'm just afraid that I'm going to, like, screw something up that's going to cost, 
any company I work for, like, you know, a lot of money. The only thing I can do well is, and it's still hard for me to do, is create. So that's why I like doing these passion projects. But I didn't factor in any money for me with Soulstar. And I didn't factor, because all that, like, I try to give it all to charity. And I didn't factor anything for Elan Vital for me. So the fact that we're over our goal right now, $2,000, I mean, I'm actually excited that I'm actually going to be able to fill my refrigerator with groceries for the first time in three years. You know, and, uh, and, 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 and give my dog, like, the, the, the few shots that he probably needs. And, uh, you know, it, it means a lot to me. Like, it's like, I mean, there's, I have a lot of artwork. If you see the Kickstarter video, you see a lot of artwork in the background. That's artwork I've decided to keep. That's the artwork I didn't sell to, like, pay for medical bills. And, you know, and so, like, these are things that mean something to me. So I don't want to get rid of them. But they, every day I get closer and closer to selling them. And so when I saw how well this Kickstarter did, like, I burst into tears and, and I recorded it because <laughs> I felt like I don't cry very often. So I thought, wow, well, this will be really good for the documentary yeah. just to show my, my reaction to people being nice to me. You know, like, I, uh, so that's... Uh, <laughs> I so cry when people are nice to me too because it doesn't ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I aim to be nice to you all the time. You guys have been like on Twitter alone, like you guys have just been like really big supporters of awesome comics and like and indie people and... And and your and your show is like has a very positive vibe to it. And I love this tournament. I know we're about to to talk about this tournament thing. Like I love what you guys are doing. You include fans. It's like I don't know. You guys are. It's really cool. It's rare to see a lot of podcasts that uh, that are accessible to listeners of all ages. And I, you know I like shows like yours because it's very inclusive. It, it doesn't. I don't feel like when you guys talk about something that you love that I don't. I don't feel like I'm excluded from the conversation, and then vice versa. You know. We try pretty hard to make it seem that way. Well, yeah. you pull it off, in my opinion. We, we we don't want to exclude anybody. We want to we want everybody to listen to us and enjoy us. And uh, we're we're generally positive about everything. I mean, we do, we do cuss sometimes, and we do have explicit lyrics, you know, here and there. But <laughs> sure. s- some of the other shows are are way more explicit than we are. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah. I mean, I did I do I did a podcast called Nerd Nation for two years, and, and our pride and joy was that we we would go like months and months without ever saying a single swear word and we we had dan Harmon uh on our show who i owe a lot to him and feral audio for at harmontown and the people of harmontown if you haven't listened to that podcast like please check it out dan Harmon is the creator of community and rick and morty right uh and and he is an amazing guy and has been supporting me since soul star and he had me on his show and i definitely contribute being on his show and feral audio tweeting it out and everything and that being the fact that we we hit our goal so fast. Miguel just sighed because I've been trying to get him to watch Rick and Morty for about three months. <laughs> oh my god, you got to man! Like I, I love Community, but Rick and Morty is like, and Supernatural is my favorite show on TV. So I have to cheat and say that Rick and Morty is my favorite cartoon on TV. <laughs> it's, it's so it, good, it, man. It might beat Supernatural. It's so good, especially that last episode. Uh, it's you got to watch it, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he but, makes but, fun but of Dan, me. You know they they support me so much over there, so. Like there, I, I owe a lot to them for for getting me this far in the Kickstarter and, and surpassing my goal and, and and still climbing. Like they're and they're still offering me prizes. Like they're like, oh, hey, we'll help, we're gonna come up with this and this prize for later on. I'm like, wow, you guys are just like a man. Like I don't know what I did in my life to deserve all these cool people coming out and helping, but it's like another one of those things that makes me burst into tears. Like you, you know, <laughs> like you, you big crybaby. Yeah, that's me, <laughs> you girl. Well, we got we got to do a little bit of shilling real quick. We've got to uh, promote our advertiser, audibletrial.com slash comical. Yes. Uh, if you like audiobooks, go to that link, sign up, get your free audiobook. 150,000 titles. Get a one-month free trial. Oh, yes. If you uh, decide you like the service, it's only $15 a month to continue. $15. And every month you get another audiobook that comes with the $15 fee. Uh, if you don't like the service, you're not happy listening to the audiobook or whatever, you can always cancel it. It's really easy. But, but we still get the money. We still get supported from you guys either way. So uh, we've had a couple people actually do it this month. We really appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we're, we still need money because uh, <laughs> Comic Palooza is coming up. We still need to buy a banner. We still need to buy brochures. We still need to buy T-shirts. It's just a lot. We're going to be out there <laughs> on the street with a sign. Help support Comic Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the few people that have signed up, we really appreciate it. And the ones that haven't, we'd really appreciate it if you would. We do also have a contribute button on our website if people want to just send us money directly. Uh, nice. And either way, if you support us through Audible or you support us by sending us money through the contribute button, we do have a blooper episode that I'm still working on editing. <laughs> and some point, uh, probably in June, 
when I have the full thing put together, I'm going to go ahead and send everybody that contributed in some way the link, and then uh, they can go and listen to Miguel sound like an idiot for an hour. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're involved in one of those conversations too now. Come on. Yeah, I know. One of them's really funny. One of them's really, really funny. <laughs> nice. Cool. I got to get on that then. <laughs> I think uh, Miguel has some questions for you, Seek. Oh. Well, you're a jack of all trades. Um, what do you prefer the most? Writing, editing, producing, or drawing? Oh, Jesus. Well, I'll take drawing right off that list. <laughs> 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 that, that hurts way too much. And I always worry that people are going to look through this book and go, oh, he he, uh, he painted that? Like, what an insult to purism paintings. You know, like, it's like, I... I, I I really do try my best. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy writing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, it's not as hard to do as as um as drawing, obviously, because I just don't picture the things I write. And it sounds really weird, but I, I can sit there and write like, oh, uh, you know, a lush forest, you know, is set on fire, and Batman is running through it, and he's, you know, and he's looking for a Killer Croc or something in the swamp. Like, I can write that and not know what it looks like visually because I just know what words are. So it's not as draining of a process. So I would say the the most fun thing to do is edit because it's quick and you can take a story that needs a second pair of eyes and shape it into something better, hopefully. Uh, and then writing is a close second to that. Cool. How did you meet Omar? Well, to tie it all together, um, the way I met Omar is I was working at Golden Apple Comics in here in L.A., and he came in with his book Xenoglyphs, which was his first book that he did. And uh, and he was trying to look, trying to set up signings and, and get stores, local stores, to buy it on consignment. And this is really tricky to do uh, in a lot of stores in LA because they're, you know, especially if you have, if you have a book like uh, a superhero book, which Xenoglyphs isn't. Xenoglyphs is more of an all ages thing, so that sells a lot. Like a lot of kids' books sell really well, Golden Apple. So I, so we were like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. The artwork by PJ Katakudin was really great. So that's kind of how we met. Um, and then, uh, but on a global scale, like exactly what you said, like, you know, when I used to podcast, I met a bunch of people and, and who came on the show and we started with indie people. And then by the time our show was wrapping up, we had like big names on our show, like Dan Harmon and, you know, and, and, uh, and actually the guy who created the Slee Stacks, was on our show. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, 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 you know, so uh, David Gerards, and so like he, you know, he was on our show. And, and what I do is, I, I I'm like you. I just want to make friends. Like I, I, I'm a very bad business person. And so, uh, so I made friends with Omar, and then eventually he hired me to be a business partner with him with Awesome Comics, and and be his editor in chief. And then you know, I'm meeting you guys and making friends. And so I think to me, it's just important to make friends. Like we all love the same things. So I, my business tactic is always. I just want to be your friend. <laughs> and so that way I can support your book. Because I always feel if you have that personal connection with someone, it's easier to support them because you want to. But also because uh, even if you don't like something they've written, you can get firsthand from them why they wrote it that way. And you, maybe you understand it a little bit better, you know? Are you a romance friend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm definitely. We're BFS, man. We're, we, we met on J-Date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> so my turn. Uh... What is your favorite Masters of the Universe character? And it better not be the new guy, Tribot. <laughs> wait, wait, my my favorite who character? Your favorite uh, Masters of the Universe character. My favorite Masters... Oh, um, oh, jeez. Uh, I don't... Uh, probably Skeletor. Um, oh, head. <laughs> I feel like he got a bad rap. Like, I don't know if you ever really... Like, the origin of Skeletor is that he used to live in Castle Grayskull, which, uh, yep. Yep. which makes... Which makes a lot of sense, and then he got kicked out. He was He-Man's uncle. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so I'm just like, wait, so he just wants his house back from, like, the people <laughs> I'm like, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, we read, uh, uh, yeah. We read all the He-Man stuff. It's a generic stuff. answer, but I... I I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I like a good villain's a good villain. It, it's like it's like Shredder. Like I love Shredder. It's like when you have a good villain, you have a good villain. We we created our own uh, Masters of the Universe character the other day. We were having a pretty funny conversation talking about the worst character. And uh, we decided Mechanek was the worst character. So <laughs> even worse than Stinkor. Even worse than Stinkor. So wow. the villains needed a uh, answer for Mechanek, so we came up with Tripod. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's right. No, that's wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> I want to see that uh, that San Diego Comic Con uh, comical podcast exclusive variant figure. Yeah, that would be pretty impressive. <laughs> Except you have to like twist it to make it grow. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I would say email Jeff Johns right now uh, and, uh, and and tell him to uh, tell him to make that happen for you. <laughs> well, let's move on then. Let's talk about some comical madness. Yes.
So comical madness. Comical madness. We got two mat two matches tonight. Yes. We two got Dark Side versus Doctor Strange. Right. And we got Thanos versus Deadpool. Right. Which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Psylocke and Electro. Oh, that's not on the page. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Okay, let's let's do the uh, the easy one, I guess. Let's do Thanos and Deadpool. Thanos and Deadpool. That's the easy one. I think. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let the guests decide. Which one you want to tackle, sir? You want to talk, tackle Thanos and Deadpool or Doctor Strange and Dark Side? You know what? Just to be the opposite, let's go with. Doctor Strange and Dark Side. All right. Okay. I've had zero time to do research this week. I've been so busy. You are horrible. <laughs> I was supposed to do research into whether magic had ever played a part in Dark Side's past, if he's you know resistant to it or if he's weak to it, if Doctor Strange had any kind of chance whatsoever. Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, I think there's been a few encounters with Dark Side in the in the Justice League and society where Doctor Fate has come in contact with Darkseid, but I don't know if that's always gone Dr. Fate's way. I think at most he's been able to teleport or move Darkseid, but uh, I don't know if he has an aversion to magic like Superman does. I don't think he does. No, I don't think so either. I mean, we were talking about, you and I were talking about Darkseid earlier and how he takes on the other people and how it has to be Justice League, and then you mentioned Batman's done it with the gun and the Superman. Uh, Strange doesn't use guns. No. <laughs> But, I mean, if if it's possible to suck Darkseid into a Vortex or Portal or whatever and send him elsewhere, that Absolutely. could be, that could be uh, considered yeah. a win. Did you see Justice League War? Oh, <laughs> Did you see yeah, what they had to do? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and again, like like I said, I've seen a bunch of times like in the animated series universes and, uh, and in the comic universes... Whenever they fight Darkseid, it's it's never like except for like the Great Darkness saga and stuff like that. Like there's a usually you just get the Justice League versus Darkseid, you know, or Batman and Superman, just them two versus Darkseid, like in the uh, the storyline with Supergirl, and they've won. Like Superman has single handedly beaten Darkseid before, or with Supergirl's help, have beaten Darkseid before. Uh, and Batman, like I said, in Final Crisis, shot D- Darkseid with the bullet that essentially led the Black Racer right to Darkseid and, and, and uh, had the Black Racer kill Darkseid. So, uh, and then Batman got sent through time, so he still lost that battle. But in the end, Batman lived and Darkseid died. So, s- technically, Batman has taken out Darkseid by himself, too. So, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a lot of... Ver- I mean, it's, it's really hard. It's Because uh, Doctor Strange, I don't want to dem- demean his power in any way. He's, he's very powerful. But I don't know how much of his power, besides just creating a, a, a vortex uh, and sucking dark, dark side through it, uh, how much that would, you know, like, uh, help him win the battle. I don't know, it's hard. There's also the, the question of whether the Omega Beams can penetrate whatever kind of barriers Doctor Strange can set up for himself. Because if Dark Side can shoot the Omega Beams, Doctor Strange and I now run it. I mean, basically, his barrier has to hold until the point where he can cast a spell to send Dark Side elsewhere or you know, hurt him in right. some way. Or he could create a portal to where the beams go through that portal and then go out another portal and hit Darkseid, which... <laughs> like which, like uh, Portal? You know, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which has happened before. I, mean, I think something like that has happened before. So, uh, And Darkseid's not... His beams hurt him, but they don't, they don't do the damage they do to other people for some reason. So, yeah, I don't know. This is hard, man. Like this, I, I was worried about... I, that's why I kind of picked this one first, because I figured it would probably take a little... Uh, Brains, because the only Doctor Strange stuff I've read is like anytime he encountered Ghost Rider in the '90s, or when he led like the Secret Defenders. Like I read that book, um, or when he's met Spider Man, and he has a really good cosmic power level. But I, I mean, I've seen him be defeated pretty easily before too. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's if he's taken unaware. But the yeah. the one thing that we've incorporated into this is that each person has an hour to prepare before the fight. So uh, Doctor how's Strange, that, how's Batman not here? Who beat Batman? Thanos. Thanos beat Batman. Uh, that's that's a tough one. Because uh, the reason, I mean, Batman had never encountered Thanos before, so he didn't really know what to expect. And oh, he's encountered Thanos before. Batman's fought Thanos before? Yeah, Justice League Avengers crossover, I believe. Huh. Because uh, I think it had Galactus and Thanos in that, and then, like, Darkseid and uh, whatever those big cosmic things are. Like, not the Watchers, but, I mean, not the Watchers, but uh, those guys that exist in the bleed, I always forget their names. Aw, oh, crap. He done started something now. <laughs> here come the um, hate tweets. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here come the tweets. Yeah, they're like, oh, you idiot. You're supposed to be a comic book expert. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, monitor, right? The, the oh, we never claim to be experts. We just claim uh, to be fans. <laughs> the, the, the monitor's an anti-monitor. I, I, I think 
Because I, I, it's been a while since I read that series. It was a really good run. And then there was also like the crossover in the 90s, uh, Marvel vs. DC. But I don't think Batman came into contact with Thanos then. But I think in the Justice League crossover with Avengers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, George Perez drew that. And I know George Perez, you know, he drew in, 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 uh, Infinity Gauntlet, like the first three issues. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, Thanos was, was in that. So I think he's aware of Thanos. At least he sh- he's been in enough proximity and around enough people that know who Thanos is at some point, if you count those crossover, if we're counting all continuity. Okay, well, uh, even even if he has encountered Thanos before, what sure. are the odds that he keeps weaponry that would be effective against Thanos on hand? Well, I mean, like I said, like Batman travels with a boom tube. Uh, so it, uh, so if he had a, a, if enough preparation time and a way to set up a trap... He could boom tube Thanos somewhere, but but I mean I know that's not the battle. I don't I don't want to defend that battle. Like I, I'm I'm okay with the outcome. I just I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but Doctor Strange, like I said, I, I I've seen him go toe to toe, you know, like with beings like Thanos and stuff. But I, I don't know. Th- I think to me, I think Thanos is stronger than Darkseid. That's that's the point I was trying to get at earlier. Was whenever they fight Thanos, you need like the Inhumans and the X-Men and the just in the Avengers. Like, you need everybody to fight Thanos. Uh, Justice League, they seem to handle him okay with just like the seven Justice League members. Yeah. Um, or like I said, just Batman and Superman. So I think since Doctor Strange has stood up to Thanos before, he has a good shot, but he stood up to Thanos with other superheroes like Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock. So he had, so, you know, so he wasn't alone. So I don't know. I think Darkseid wins this battle, but but probably not by much, in my opinion. Okay, I can see that. Let's say you, man. I guess we're not getting that upset we wanted. <laughs> I think the upset happens in the other bracket. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't so you're, you're going dark side as well. Yeah, I think that uh, even with the preparation time, dark side's going to be able to penetrate whatever defenses Doctor Strange would have. Uh, we still don't really know how the Omega Beams would interact with whatever magical bar- barriers Doctor Strange would have. But just on... Uh, how, how about this? What if what if Doctor Strange, because he had prep time, was able to... Uh, now, they're fighting alone, right? Like, there's like... Because Doctor Strange, what he has this, at his disposal is that he could lock Darkseid into a, a, a room with Dormammu. Um, and, uh, and that would be a really nasty fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no allies allowed, really. Sure, sure, okay, okay. But nice. he could certainly, you know, imprison Darkseid in hell. Well, for sure. Or in Dormammu's universe. I mean, he has his own little pocket universe or whatever. Um, right, but I, th- but I think Darkseid could kill Dormammu and Mephisto. So it probably is a useless... It would probably just buy him some time to prep some more, but I think Darkseid gets out and probably kills Doctor Strange. Yeah, when he's not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I like being, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah, strong as Doctor Strange is, I think he goes to Darkseid. So Darkseid is moving on. Darkseid moves on. Not too right. good. Send, like send many your email fans. to you. At Exploding Bullet on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so the other side. Work this up, set man. Thanos and Deadpool. Well, Deadpool's basically unkillable. They have some history together. They both love the same woman. <laughs> or have in the past. I mean, Deadpool's yeah, probably yeah. moved on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he just got married. <laughs> he just got married to Shikla, Queen of the Monsters. Yeah. Uh, but they both love death. And Thanos, as much as he's tried, and as hard as he's tried to win her love back... He's never acquired it. He's killed half of the universe for her before. And she says that's not what she wants. No matter what Thanos attempts, it's kind of a sad, tragic love story because he does everything he can for her and just never gets it back. Whereas Deadpool is just himself and Death loves him because she never gets to have him. Like she, You know, women always have, want what they can't have. Yeah. <laughs> so every time Deadpool dies, he sees her. And then comes back to life, and then she's gone. So, if the incarnation of Lady Death is there in any way, she will protect Deadpool somehow. I mean, I know we said no allies, but that's not really an ally. It's like a force of existence. Was she a watcher? <laughs> Does she get involved? It's kind of an like an abstract idea. It's kind of hard to explain because there's the personification of Death, and there's also the intangible you know, force that is Death. And, you know, the the physical aspect obviously can lend her support via the intangible source. <laughs> she can basically make it so the Deadpool wins. Well, how, how many people do you want to piss off <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> I, uh, I, I think, I mean, well, here's what, here's what matters most. Where do you guys draw the end of the battle? Because I think we can all admit that Thanos will kill Deadpool for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, so is that the end of the battle? Like he killed him and, you know, or does, or does he get... Or does Deadpool get redos? Because 
because uh, technically the, the battle, the one that you set up, is over once Deadpool dies, whether he comes back or not. Well, last week we had Lobo Deadpool dying, <laughs> killing each other. Well, they, they were back. killing each other constantly. So <laughs> Lobo was hooking, and Deadpool was. Because <laughs> um, the because the thing is, like Thanos, he's not gonna. It's not an endurance match with Thanos. He's not gonna get tired of killing Deadpool. Like if Deadpool can come back a hundred times, uh, he's still just a meat bag <laughs> that Thanos could punch into oblivion. And and I've seen. I mean, we just saw recently in Infinity that Thanos stood up to Black Bolt's screams, like his full screams, not yeah. not like, you know, not like the scroll that screamed at Hulk on the moon uh, back in World War Hulk, like full-on screams, and Thanos stood right up to it numerous times and, and got hit with, like, five or six screams and, and still got close enough to beat the crap out of Black Bolt and shut him up. So this is a guy who, it's not it's not an endurance match with him. He is a titan. He is a, he's not, he's not going to, like, run out of breath <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, you know that's that's the other that's the thing deadpool like deadpool will run out of breath and need will need a minute to take a breath and he will be dead for 20 seconds before he gets gets to come back uh and he not saying he won't ever get an upper hand on thanos or drive thanos nutty enough to maybe want thanos to kill himself uh but or or like i said or like you said earlier maybe thanos wants to lose so he can be closer to death or, you know, or whatever. Because uh, that, that's know, usually how Thanos gets defeated in the Marvel. You know, he's basically unkillable. Like, nothing should be able to beat Thanos. But the way he usually loses is Adam Warlock shows up and says, Hey, buddy, we're friends. Like, you know, you don't have to be such an asshole to everybody. And Thanos <laughs> is like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, that's that's usually how Thanos loses his battles. <laughs> Until it's well, and I would say this, if you're going to have uh, death, play any kind of role in and you like you said it's a force of nature giving deadpool uh, an advantage of some kind then it would it's only equal that uh that thanos has uh an uncontrollable force like death at his disposal which is the infinity gauntlet oh jesus <laughs> well if thanos has the oh, infinity gauntlet there's so there's nothing that can beat him <laughs> well then, then, then that's what i'm saying it's like but then but it, same with deadpool if he has death then nothing can beat him so 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 that's what i'm saying if he has death pulling strings for him, Thanos should, theoretically, if we're trying to make an even fight here, and yeah. preparation time, Thanos would definitely have all, all of those gems on his fist. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate I don't here. Think I, 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 believe, I believe Deadpool definitely loses. I mean, it's Thanos. <laughs> as, as, ah, okay. I'm honestly surprised Deadpool made it as far as he did. I thought he was going to lose every match that he's he's been in, and Miguel's convinced me otherwise every time. <laughs> I can't figure out how to help you win this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 so this is why I pushed it really Deadpool hard. Wins. Say again, sir? I said it's decided. Deadpool wins. <laughs> <laughs> Merman wins. That's right. All right I'm back, people. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to piss everybody off. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> In a surprise, he well, shows yeah, up. <laughs> I'll say this. Deadpool has a Guinness Book of World Records, uh, and, and Thanos does not. That is true. Yeah, just saying. He's still by himself. <laughs> you called him, what'd you call him earlier? Well, you know, here's, 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 all right, I just solved it. You guys ready for this? Sure. Deadpool jumps out of the comic book that him and Thanos are fighting in, and he burns it. Oh, oh he just went, Oh. <laughs> I still don't think that kills Thanos. <laughs> he comes back in what, Guardians? <laughs> yeah. He used the Infinity Gem to become a real person also. Deadpool kills right, the world. I tried. I tried. I thought that was going to give Deadpool the upper hand. I tried. So... I think it's going to be Thanos and Darkseid in the finals. Sorry, dude. <laughs> it's okay. He wasn't He wasn't supposed to win this thing, I don't think. Yeah, I think he was trying to get him beat by Lobo. I had to work really hard that, that, that <laughs> round. Because I was still pissed that Merman lost. Damn right. <laughs> cool. Well, that ends Comical Madness for this week. We'll save the final battle for next week. Do some research. Yeah, I'm going to try. I've got to find the time. <laughs> what, you don't have no time between everything you're doing? <laughs> Certainly got some minutes here and there. Not really. You tell me you don't sleep. Yeah, I don't sleep, but that's, I'm doing stuff when I'm not sleeping. <laughs> we don't want to know about that here on Comical Podcast. <laughs> All right, let's talk about something great now. Something really good. Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Oh, oh man. You've already seen this movie, right? Twice. Oh. Just once for us, and I had to convince him to go with me. I was broke. Oh. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Fair enough. Rob a bank? <laughs> sell some blood, man. It's Cap 2. Sell some blood? <laughs> you can sell other things. Whoa. <laughs> they don't take it in the middle of the night, though. 
You don't want to give it to those people. <laughs> yeah, Cap 2. Oh, my God. I was hoping you guys would talk about this. We, oh. we loved it. Oh, uh, man. So good. It's my, my, probably my favorite Marvel movie next to Iron Man, and I think it's because Iron Man was caught me by surprise. That's fair. Like, I, like Iron Man, I, I was... Because we were coming off of stuff like, you know, Daredevil and Elektra. Like, we were, you know, we were a couple years past, like, Fantastic Four, so it was like... Uh, like hey, this looks like a cool movie, but it could be like Fantastic Four, and it turned out to be amazing. And then had the Avengers set up, so yeah, I think that kind of trumps it a little bit, but only for that reason. But otherwise, I think Cat is probably probably my favorite. I definitely put it in my top five comic book movies. I don't know right. where exactly I put it in that ranking, but there's a lot of comic book movies, and it's in my top five. Nice. That's right. <laughs> Better not forget about him. <laughs> you know who's number one? <laughs> who's that? Batman. Come on, him and Bane. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be Batman. <laughs> Don't like the comic, but you love the movie. <laughs> I like the comics, too. No, Captain America was awesome. Just in my oh, top yeah. five. Uh, yeah. I, I loved it from the beginning to end. It's kicking some butt. Love the Winter Soldier. Uh, I, I love the fact that it was not a superhero movie. It was a spy movie. Absolutely. It was a spy movie that had superhero stuff built into it. Um, if you haven't seen it yet... You're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> you got to go and see it. Uh, Nick Fury and Black Widow play a tremendous role in the film. They're not just random occasional supporting characters like they've been in the past. Cap is getting adjusted to life in the modern time, and he has to fight this mysterious Russian assassin mm-hmm. who, if you've ever read a comic book, you probably know who it is. <laughs> but I'm not going to spoil it anyways, just in case. I already did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about the Falcon. It also has the Falcon. Uh, that was so good. It showcases Cap and Falcon's friendship, which, you know, if you read comics in the 70s, you know there was Captain America and the Falcon, the comic book. Oh, yeah. And those two guys were, like, best of friends, and you really got that feeling in the comic, and you really get that feeling in the movie. The banter is is perfect. I can't say enough good things about them. Well, that's pretty much uh, all we wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. just want to remind people to uh, go to audibletrial.com slash comical. Sign up. And sign up for the free trial. Give me some money. We also want to remind people that we are on the Geeky Awards. Yes, we We actually just submitted a second episode, episode 12. Mm -hmm. So anytime you see us tweet about the Geeky Awards, please favorite it and retweet it. Episode 12 brings out two of our favorite games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Something new is that I have started writing weekly reviews on all the comic books that we read and posting them on the site along with the podcasts. Uh, They're also being posted to Mm -hmm. moviepilot.com. I've signed on as a contributor there, so you can check out my reviews there as well as on our website. Uh, Lastly... Say, man, you going to give me any props for my movie reviews? I know I only wrote three (laughs) of my comic reviews. (laughs) Miguel writes reviews for the ones that he put at the top of his list as well, so you can see his thoughts. Thank you. Uh, But basically, it's the same thing that we discuss on the show. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say? Uh, we also still need a lot of iTunes reviews and Stitcher reviews, so if you use either one of those apps, please give us five stars and tell us what you like about the show. Again, you can follow us at, at Comical Podcast or at Comical Podcast 2. Uh, you can find us at Facebook.com slash Comical Podcast. Find our website at ComicalPodcast.com. You can email us at ComicalPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> if you really want to read my blog, it's ComicalPodcast.tumblr.com. If you want to get in touch with Seek, it's at Exploding Bullet on Twitter. Um, awesomecomics.com, OSSMcomics.com. Awesome. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. Toasty. That was a mouthful, actually. <laughs> but I'll be posting a link to Seek's Kickstarter on our website. And uh, anything you want to add, Seek? Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Keep on laughing, bitches. <laughs> <That's> perfect. <laughs>